Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello, we're back again. Still studying uh, in the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 15. And uh, last time we had worked our way through chapter 15, verse 20. And we were talking about um, things that proceed from the heart. And, um, you know... The, the things that actually identify uh, the character of a person. So anyway, Jesus now <clears throat> is um, moving on. And uh, it says in verse 21, Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, he was down in the region of the Sea of Galilee. On the north side, um, he had been in the area of Genezaret and so on, which was on the north uh, western, I wouldn't say corner, but coast, I guess, of the uh, the Sea of Galilee. However, you know, most of Jesus' ministry was focused around that area, around the Sea of Galilee, and in that general region there. He never traveled real far. However, in this case, it, it appears that he is going out of his way because Tyre and Sidon were both located several miles further northwest over on the course of the um, coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So it, it, it this section kind of opens with what I think is a deliberate attempt or a, a, a deliberate um, direction or purpose that Jesus has to encounter this woman. And of course, you know, God, nothing happens, nothing is just coincidental with Jesus. Certainly, you know, it's not that way today, and it certainly wasn't that way when he was here on earth. Everything he did was calculated and had a reason. And so, you know, I kind of get the idea that, of course, Jesus was aware, or Jesus caused or made possible this encounter. It, in verse 22, it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. And then she expresses her needs and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So you have this woman who's coming out of that region that Jesus seems to have gone out of his way to meet. Because when we come back, he has now traveled back across the sea. If I remember correctly, we'll be going into the southeastern portion uh, or coasts of the sea, uh, the area of Gadara, if I'm not mistaken. But whatever the case, uh, it's kind of 
out of you know what I might call the biblical comfort zone there because you know out of Jesus's general area of ministry and he goes out of the way to I think encounter this woman who even more oddly is not a Jew and he points that out here we'll talk about that in a few minutes um, <clears throat> so I think Jesus planned this event I think there's a obviously everything that's in scripture has a purpose or something that we need to learn for it and as I look in the commentaries and different things that people um, talk about here you know while I see what they're saying there's some points of disagreement I have or at least it impresses me differently um, in this encounter and, and so you know, that's what I want to share in these 15 minutes here that, that we have to, to cover this issue. So it says that the woman came to him, and she mentions two things. First, she says, have mercy on me, um, <clears throat> because obviously as a mother, she's relating, you know, everything that, you know, affects our family to her. Her real concern is her daughter. As she says later, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But she says, in order for you to do something for her, I need mercy on me. She she realizes if she's the one doing the asking, she has to be on solid footing. She has to have a valid reason or um, uh, she has to have, have the valid standing in order to ask Jesus for something. And that's certainly something that we need to consider that I think, generally speaking, obviously the world doesn't because they don't know Christ. But you hear people, you know, begging God for mercy all the time. And in some of our songs that we sing, God Bless America, and, you know, some of those patriotic songs that we, we sing all the time, <clears throat> um, it's a lost world asking God to bless them. They have no concept of the relationship that needs to exist in order for God to do things for us. So, but this lady here comes and expresses a desire to, to encounter God's mercy. But as we see, as we travel through this, um, she's not just, you know, laterally, just automatically asking for God's mercy, like, well, God loves everybody, so I pray that you have mercy on me. He, he points out that's not the case here. So, she asked him to have mercy and specifically on her because she's asking while it's not for her she's asking for someone else her daughter she recognizes that her relationship with the lord has to be right and and so she addresses him oh lord thou son of david she obviously knew who he was even though she's not a jew uh and then she you know mentions the actual needs is my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil now here's the thing that where I kind of, I, I guess, see things I see differently in Jesus' answer because he says in verse 23, but he answered her not a word. He didn't even respond to her. The disciples actually says, and his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. In other words, she's, she's bugging us. She's driving us crazy. You, need, you know, she's di distracting us. Well, you know, I, I'm wondering, you know, what the disciples knew. I, I, they, they, they're they just following Jesus. They have no idea what his purpose is. And, and it appears that he's traveling in an odd direction. Um, so, I, you know, they, they must be wondering what's going on. And yet, you know, they still 
Um, they're of this mindset um, that this lady's more of a nuisance than a, than a need. But he answered and said, and now he's, he's talking to the disciples. I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, this is an answer that a lot of people say is kind of a, uh, I don't know, a backhanded comment that he makes with regard to this lady. Now, he's not talking to the lady. He's talking to the disciples. So my my thought is that th this is a teaching moment. Um, <clears throat> he says, and, and I, I think it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, personally. Uh, I, I'm not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I think he's posing it to them in, almost in the form of a question. What, what do you think about this? You, I mean, your, your concept is that I'm here to uh, address only the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This lady's a Gentile. And so I think he's causing them to think. Well, in the, in the meantime, then, it says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. So again, she's addressing him, and she's interrupting, doing exactly what the disciples were complaining about. You know, she's distracting us. You need to do something about this. But he answered to her. Now he turns to her and says, It's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, okay, so I know the comment was directed to her, but I believe he has the attention, obviously, of the disciples. And he's saying something that I think he wants them to hear also. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs are the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Um, it, um, you know, her response, she's not offended by this. For him to turn to her and say, you want me to share with my ministry with you that's intended for someone else. And he refers to her as a dog, as, as Gentiles generally are referred. Again, I, I kind of think this was a comment that was probably more directed at the disciples than, than for her. But she takes no offense to it. She says, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She says, okay, fine, I'm a dog, uh, but all I want is, what's, is what you have left over, just the, the excess. I'm not asking for anything that you have intended for anyone else. Um, just give me what's left over, you know, whatever you can. I'm willing to take whatever you give me. Now, obviously, she wants to see her daughter heal, but ultimately, she's doing two things. She's saying, you know, just, just give me what you can. I'll take what you can give me, but secondly... She, I believe she realizes that that's sufficient. That's enough to meet her needs. I, you know, that's, that's a concept that too many of us don't get. That, that you know, even any kind of attention from the Lord is, is more than enough, certainly more than we deserve. And I think that's what she's expressing to her. And he responds that way. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So <clears throat> Jesus says to her, you have appropriately approached me. You know, there are several things that this lady did. She, she's repentant. She recognizes who she is. She acknowledges, and, and she's humiliated about, you know, the fact that, uh, that she's referred to as a dog. But she accepts it. Uh, as if she realizes that it's true. That's what I'm equivalent to in respect to you. I'm worshiping you. You're God. Uh, and I'm nothing. You know, folks, we have no merit. 
I, it doesn't matter what we do, you know, how 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 uh, busy we are in the Lord's work or how, you know, for lack of a better term, say successful we are in the Lord's work. The bottom line is we can't do anything to rise above the level of a dog. We deserve nothing from Jesus. And yet notice what he does. He turns to her and grants her wish. So, you know, she's repentant. She's humiliated. She's willing to take whatever God gives her, but here's the final thing that I think she does, does is she is persistent. Regardless of our standing before God, I mean, God wants us to acknowledge who we are before him. We are to humble ourselves before him, but he expects us to be persistent. He expects, and, and here's what persistence means. When you persistently pursue something, you put everything else aside. That becomes your main focus. You're going to pursue that to the end. You're not going to let it go because that is something that is of dire consequence. That is something that is, is, is of the greatest value to you because you're willing to focus all your, your, your ultimate efforts, not that you don't do other things, but your ultimate concentration is on achieving that one thing. Being persistent. Well, in this case, she was persistent in her pursuit of Jesus Christ because she recognized what he could do. Folks, Jesus can change your life. Jesus can make... Now, I'm not saying he solves every... that He, he, he makes every problem go away. But he can solve every problem, and, and I, what I mean by that is he, he gives us the inner fortitude, the power of the Holy Spirit to withstand whatever we face. I don't believe God gives us anything we can't handle in his name. I believe he expects us to depend upon him as people. Certainly there are things that, that can get us down, and, and you know we, we end up doing terrible things because we're depending upon our own abilities. But when we really understand that there's nothing out there that can defeat us as long as we uh, face it, as, we, as long as we battle it in the name of Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're victorious. We're victors. Um, now, in this case, God made her daughter whole. But you know what I really think here? This kind of reminds me of the situation where um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the, uh, the fiery furnace and they said, you know, we trust our God to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, that's okay. He's still God. And whatever his will is, we'll accept it. She has reached that point. She said, okay, fine, I want my daughter healed, but you know what? Just give me what you can. But I'm not leaving until you do. And so Jesus saw that faith and, and, and granted her her wish. And, and the real lesson here, I believe, was to the disciples to show who he really is and what he really wanted to do. Um, and ultimately, there's a greater message here because the power of the gospel is going to change hands. It's going to go from the, Gentiles to, uh, from the Jews to the Gentiles at some point, and the disciples are the ones who are tasked to do that, to accomplish that, to carry that out. Now, we'll probably address that, I'm sure, in another passage, but this passage here 
touches on that, and it's something that, that stays in the back of the disciples' minds when the hour comes that, that responsibility falls to them for that transition. So thanks for listening. I appreciate you uh, bearing with us here. I hope this has been helpful. We will pick up in um, verse 29 next time. Thanks and God bless.